Here it is, show 100 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. people would be here to congratulate oh us. my god I, I just i am moved beyond belief i mean you know the the, the champagne <laughs> the congratulatory telegrams the um all the the celebrity buddies who who stopped by mm-hmm. uh, it's just oh, i wish all of you all of your our listeners could be here with us to to see how how wonderful it is i mean there's there's streamers everywhere and confetti the podcast studio is just drowning in silly string it's amazing it's almost as if we won an election <laughs> no i know it's just oh it's mind boggling but yeah i can still hear them outside going show 100 show 100 oh just amazing wow and it is show 100 it really is wow uh, you know, I don't even remember the first 75 shows that we've done. Just right out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing is, you can go back and listen to it. It's true. It's you true. can relive this. We could relive it anytime we <sighs> wanted to. So I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Yes. Because we wouldn't be doing show 100 if it wasn't for you guys. That's right. This is your victory. This is your victory. Because we're here. We're podcasting. We're That's right. Show 100. Yeah. Good night. Oh, that's it. <laughs> really been crap.
celebrate, or by way of celebration of Cheryl 100, yes. we decided we would watch a movie. Yeah, because we haven't done a movie. Uh, a Trek movie. We have never reviewed a Trek movie here on the air, have we? Yes, we did. When, when we did, when we watched five, we did talk about five. Okay, I've blocked that out of my mind. Because <laughs> it's five. Because it's five. But this time we watched two. A good one. Yes. Yes, the good one. Yeah, that one of the odd-numbered movies. No. Oh, sorry, even. Even I meant numbered. Even, I meant even. Sorry. She sorry. said too much sorry. champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we watched The Wrath of Khan. Khan. But we didn't just watch The Wrath of Khan. We watched it with the Riff Tracks commentary. That's right. And uh, Lena, you want to quickly explain again what Riff Tracks yeah, is? Yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar with Riff Tracks, we talked about it briefly in our last episode. Mm -hmm. It's um, Mystery Science Theater style commentary provided by um, some very funny people. So you go to the site, rifftracks.com, T-R-A-X.com, and you download it, and it costs a couple of bucks, and then you play it uh, on your computer or your MP3 player while you're watching the movie. So you provide the movie, and now you have this MP3 of the snarky commentary. Right. And so we watched it that way, and it was quite challenging because... We didn't realize mm -hmm. until it started, and they started telling us this, that their commentary was to the director's cut. Now, in our defense, it doesn't say that <laughs> on the Rift Tracks page. It doesn't say director's cut. Right, and that that's kind of sad because I have both the regular and director's cut, and I could have brought the director's yeah. cut if I'd known that's what well, we needed. But I just grabbed the other one. Yeah, so it was okay. We, we messed up in a couple places mm -hmm. and had to resync it, but for the most part, it worked fine. Yes, it so did it work good. fine. And, you know, even with Rift Tracks going on, Wrath of Khan is such a great movie. It is. It was fun to watch And it. Bill looks so good. <laughs> He's so trim and buttly that that the cut of that jacket and those tight, tight pants just really... Definitely. That was the first thing we said. As we were watching, we went, oh, look at his butt. That's <laughs> right. That's how we knew it was show 100. <laughs> because it was great. It was. It was really great. And, you know, it, it's... It still stands up as a story. It does. It really does. It's very um, tightly cut, for mm -hmm. one thing. that The editing is like, really Like good. his pants. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the story just moves along. There's not a lot of extraneous stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And um, you really don't notice. I mean, I was noticing it because I know this, but that um, Khan and Kirk are never actually together. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Until I read that somewhere, I had never noticed that. No, you just don't seems, even think about it. It really seems like they're just talking to each other and mm -hmm. not, you know, performing on different sound stages or whatever they're doing. Right, so, right. You know, big big kudos to the film for making it seem so real. And That's that right, really to the, the editor and the actors and the sound people, yeah. everything. It really, really worked. And i got to say, uh, Khan's first appearance, where he just takes his time yeah. with everything. Every word uh -huh. is really beautiful. He's great. It's Ricardo wonderful. Montalban is wonderful in this role. He's mm -hmm. so good, and it's um, his his acting is totally in sync with Shatner's hamminess. Mm -hmm. in this. I mean, the two of them are just outgunning each other <laughs> to go over the top. But it's perfect. It's surprising there was any scenery left <laughs> because they had chewed perfect. up so much of it's it. It's perfect. It's just so good. The two of them going at it like that. And I, I was pointing out to you, um, there's one, the one scene, of course, the famous con scene, <laughs> which we were waiting for, but I had forgotten that in the moments leading up to that, he's just like going berserk. Bill is just going crazy. I know. Right? He's talking into the communicator to Khan. He's chewing up his words and he's spitting them out. Khan, right, 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 right. Oh, I like when he goes, yes, still alive. Oh, friend. It's like, wow, Bill. No, you don't talk like that. Not much. 
It was great. It was really good. It really was. And the Rift Tracks people had very good commentary. Yes, they you did. You know how he's he's like shaking and his his uh, his lip curls and everything right before he goes into con. And they went, Shatner Tremors, Shatner Tremors. Oh, my God, he's going to blow. But I like that Shatner Tremors. Shatner Tremors is really good. So I made some notes going through of that course, we could go through course. very quickly. Um, some of the these are commentary from them and some that, that we <laughs> noticed ourselves. The very first thing they said, which I never noticed before, when Kirk is exiting the uh, the trainer where um, mm-hmm. uh, Savik has just finished the Kobayashi Maru, he goes out and the uh, doorway has a huge exit sign over it. And it's clearly just an exit <laughs> sign that they took off some other door in the studio and put over this door. And they said, exit signs in the 23rd century. Not much different than today. <laughs> it's true. So that was really good. You pointed out that in the scene when McCoy and Kirk are in Kirk's apartment, McCoy's wearing chaps. Yes. For no particular reason. And I'm pretty sure that the chairs that they're sitting in are the sex chairs. They are the sex chairs. Definitely. And we also noticed later that the um, the chairs on the bridge are sex chairs. They are. They're very wow. sex chair looking. They yeah. snuck all that in on us. Um, now, I was observing on watching this again that the scenes on the planet the special effects of the wind and the dirt are mm-hmm. terrible. <laughs> it doesn't look anything like wind and dirt. It basically <laughs> looks like they shot this on a very, very si- still soundstage. Mm-hmm. And then the special effect was like waving a, a, I don't know, like a piece of saran wrap in front of the camera to, to mimic <laughs> the, the wind and the sand and everything. It's just, it's really bad. Like, why couldn't they spend a little more money on that? Really, really bad. Um, one of the Rift Tracks comments says they're showing... Uh, Kirk and McCoy kind of walking around on the bridge. I said, why is McCoy standing just behind Kirk? Is he his vice president? <laughs> <laughs> and we noticed that in Kirk's quarters on the Enterprise, he has an Emmy Award. Yes. It's just sitting there on the table. It's a, it, Yeah. It, it, was, it was amazing. We figured the, that there's a little fountain back there, too, kind of splashing it. Splashing away, yeah. yeah. Only one Emmy, though. I didn't see two. No. Um, now, here's the thing. I hadn't really noticed before that... Um, when they're in Kirk's quarters and they're arguing about the Genesis device, mm-hmm. and McCoy is making the case that this is like gonna be the worst thing ever, and Armageddon and all the rest, he says, "According to myth, the Earth was created in six days." Mm-hmm. He calls it a myth. Well, That's, it is. It, well, it's very interesting that they chose to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't make a big deal out of it, but I just thought that that was interesting. That right. They put that in there. They said it was a myth. And nobody disputed it and or jumped on said, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, now, here's a question I've always had about this movie. Why does it take so long to raise the shields? Because they are actual physical shields, <laughs> and you have to turn the crank, crank, like in old movies when they used to drop the draw, um, yes. the, the gate. Yeah, over the moat, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. The drawbridge, so you yeah. have to. Okay, that's what I figured, because in the series... It took like half a second to raise the shield, and in this movie, it takes like ten minutes for the, sh- the shields to go up. So, well, I noticed something that I have never noticed before, which is, um, you know, they're on the Enterprise, Kirk and the trainees, and they get the the message that there's some strange emergency, and they're the the closest ship, so they have to go. Uh-huh. Which okay, serves the plot. Why, when they get there, do they immediately run into Reliant? Now, that means Reliant got there faster than Day did. Mm-hmm. And Starfleet doesn't command, doesn't know Khan's in charge of Reliant. <laughs> so why didn't they call him, call the Reliant yeah. and say, go do this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because Reliant was uh, supposed to be somewhere else and 
Khan had given false information to Starfleet about oh. where Reliant was actually okay. at. Okay. Maybe. I'm just rationalizing. Okay, yeah, that could be okay. it. So still, it takes way too long to raise the shields. Hey, there was a, a you know, um, there was a, a special appearance um, that, of someone you never, ever see, which is the maintenance man. Yeah, what he was, was like he doing? vacuuming at Starfleet Academy. He was. He was like, you know what he was doing? He wasn't actually vacuuming. He was using one of those things that you use to steam clean floors. <laughs> <laughs> he was steam cleaning the floors of Starfleet Academy. But I will, I will tell you one thing. One big advance they've made in the 23rd century. Yeah, it was silent. That's true. It wasn't big. Whether busy. it was a vacuum or a steam yeah. cleaner or you know a, a mop and glow, you know it was. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear. Another technology thing. <laughs> yeah. Those communicators. Oh, man. Were the worst things I've ever seen. In fact, they were so bad that I wonder whether they had um, tried to get the prop people to make new communicators that were like the old ones. Mm-hmm. And they ran out of time and they didn't have them. So they went to the back and they just got some pieces of sheet metal and hot glued them together and said, here, here's a communicator. And William Shatner said... This is huge. Where am I supposed to put this? And they said, don't worry about it. Just go out there and use it. Yeah. That's what I think happened. Because yeah, because it's bigger. It's like three times the size of the ones they like used the in the series. It's the size of a tricorder. It's yeah. huge. And he can barely get the thing to flip open when, I he, know. when he does it. They're awful. Yeah. Who's that was, was that? That was, that was a bad. Very, very bad. Very bad. Um, we did get to hear a really good checkoff screen. Oh, yeah. That was good. So you got to have at least one of those. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, Shatner Swallow. There was a good Shatner Swallow when he was drinking the Romulan Ale. Oh, my God. If you have never seen a Shatner Swallow, just watch, like, what is it, about the first ten minutes of, of Wrath of Khan? Yeah. And that comes, oh. It, it's, it's got every little nuance, and it's all done slowly. Yes. Very slow. And he makes a good face at the end. Yeah. Because he's drinking the Romulan mm-hmm. Ale. So that was good. Um we wanted to know why, when David Marcus comes on the bridge, he's got a sweater tied around his shoulder like he's about to go yachting. You know, like, what's that about? <laughs> he's, he's a preppy. <laughs> Terrible. He's so bad, too. You know, I don't understand how they did the casting in some of these movies. Yeah. They could have found people that were better. Oh, because the rest of the actors in this are good, you know? Well, speaking of casting, um, the male members of Khan's crew... Oh. And this is true. See, I didn't know this. They're played by Chippendale stamps. That's amazing. Because they wanted big, muscular guys. Yep. Wow. They said, hey, there's a whole bunch of them just dancing down the street. <laughs> Give them a day job. And they were cheap, too. And they were cheap. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, because this movie was made in 1980-whatever, um, they're des- dressed sort of like flash dance <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little Mad Max, little flash dance. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It's not very good. Um now they they used the the rift tracks guys used a term that I hadn't heard before in the big battle at the end when somebody in engineering falls over the railing and dies <laughs> they called it a railing kill yes that's really good <laughs> and then they said yes now this is officially the greatest movie ever <laughs> a railing kill yep I like that that was good and I think the funniest thing that we both laughed really hard at was when the two ships are chasing each other in the nebula. <laughs> They started saying, Marco Polo. Polo. <laughs> that was really now, funny. i got to talk about that part. Okay, you know, the strategy they, they use is that, you know, the Enterprise just goes totally quiet mm-hmm. and still, and they wait until Khan gets near them and is above them, and then they shoot the shit out of him. Well, 
as you know, this movie quotes a lot from Moby Dick. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, okay, they, they ripped off Herman Melville for their plot. But they, in turn, were then ripped off by a movie from about five years ago called U-571 uh -huh. with uh, Matthew McConaughey about, um, it's a submarine story, which this basically yeah. was too, but it's a submarine story and that is the exact strategy they use mm -hmm. is the same as Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. Which is essentially the same as they used for Balance of Terror. Yep. So. I guess you don't have to whisper in a nebula. Because of all the static? Because of the static, and also because the nebula itself is making that noise. You know, every time we saw the nebula, they were doing that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I know what it is. It's Kirk and the nebulettes. He says his line, and they go, I would like to be in a singing group called the nebulettes. It's a good name. It's really good. Um... And I think that w that was all the stuff I took notes on, but it, the ending remained good, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I still, uh, we could talk about this because I was saying, I think it's ridiculous that there would be a part of engineering that you would have to go in to fix with your bare hands that you couldn't do with a piece of machinery somehow. Not even automated machinery, but like a really long claw hand or something like that. You know, it's like, come on, it's a starship. Why, why would you do that? Why would you design it that way? Well, and my explanation was maybe the automated things were, were offline damage from the battle, and so really the only way to do this, and if you'd had enough time, mm -hmm. you could have put on a full radiation suit. Okay. To That's what I always thought was, um, you know, that, that they had those, and, and that that's how you could go in. Okay. To this live area, but there wasn't enough time to get in that. He had to just get in there and do well, the thing. Why didn't anybody else get into a full radiation suit in the time it took him to get from the bridge down to engineering? Because they're a bunch of chickeny little trainees. Scotty could have made one of them do it. He could have just said, You need to do this, and, you know, thrown him into a suit and tossed him in there. He's well, no. You get, yeah, but you got to figure, too, he's Scotty. And the the Enterprise is his baby, and these are trainees. So yeah, they they've been trained, but they don't have the experience he's got with engines, with this engine in particular. And I think because he had the gloves on, he was and the white thing he was wearing. Uh -huh. I think he was part way into the suit, but he was so injured that he couldn't do it. But yet, you know, mere so minutes. So Spock came down and grabbed the gloves. Mere minutes later, he's up and walking around like I he's know fine. that didn't, that so, wasn't good. Th you know, why didn't McCoy just give him some cordrazine or something yeah. to get him up off oh, his butt? So, so yeah. Anyway, that just I know it's a plot device. Uh, yes, yes, it is, and I still have to say that that um, the Spock's death scene just. Even with riff, riff tracks, it's an amazingly well done and moving scene. It is, and and you know what's really good about it is that it's short. Mm -hmm. They got they got it done very economically. Yes, and it could easily have gone on for way too long, but it was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Now I gotta say, this riff tracks was not anywhere near as good. Because it wasn't done by the Mystery Science Theater guys. Oh. They had somebody else do this. They've been oh. adding some sort of guest riff, riffers oh. in there, so um, okay. that's why. Okay, because I was going to say, I know when we watched um, 5 or 6 or yeah. whatever it was we watched, they had all kinds of really good lines. Mm -hmm. This only had a few. It had a few. 
Yeah. It was worth $2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, if you really want to hear a really good Star Trek riff tracks, I'd say go for five. Yeah, five. Rather than this. Well, we'll have to check to see who the other ones are by. Mm-hmm. Um, to see if they're worth it. I would love them to do some episodes. Yes. That would be really fun. Yeah. Well, you know, we should do an episode. We could do an episode. We could do a Rift Tracks episode. Yeah, we could. And mostly it would be going, look at his butt. <laughs> <laughs> look at his butt. Look well, at his why butt. wouldn't you want to do that? Oh, well, yeah. Why wouldn't I'm, you want to look saying, at his butt? It would save us a lot of having to write jokes by just <laughs> going, look at his butt. <laughs> the episode you would want us to do uh that's a good question uh well we would have to pick well i wouldn't want to pick a really bad one like way to eden no because that would be awful. we'd hate it too much would have to be a pretty good one i mean it would be fun to do trouble with tribbles that might be good mm-hmm. uh not a real serious one no like obsession is too serious um i'm thinking a good one might be um the Apple, which is the oh, splodiest yeah. episode ever, and That's has true. people getting killed in really fun ways. Yeah, yeah, that might be good. Or the one with the uh, the people from Andromeda. Oh, there's some good by stuff any in other it. name. By any other name, yeah. there's some good stuff in that. Yeah, there is some good because that's both serious and comic. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think one of those. Well, we'll have to work on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now the wheels are turning. Yeah. Uh, It'd be work, though. It's a lot of jokes to write. Yeah. Oh, we we also have to point out is <laughs> the scene when uh, yes, <laughs> when the Enterprise is leaving space dock. We both had the same reaction <laughs> that we can no longer watch that without thinking of Galaxy Quest. And really, I just have to see a ship in space dock, and it's it's yeah. How can you not? I mean, once you've seen that, you can't unsee it or take it out of your brain. That's right. That's all right. All I have is a mental image of them all leaning to one side. <laughs> well, and it's such a great riff on the actual scene where yes. Savick is doing this, and of course doing it well. But yeah. Kirk, especially, is freaking is out. terrified. Yes. Oh, so good. <laughs> so very, very, very good. Yes, indeed. Oh. So that was a, a good way to kick off our hundredth show. Yeah. Yeah. Wrath of Khan was one of the best parts of. Of Trek. Yes. And I think anybody who wants to introduce someone to Trek, this would be a good movie. Mm-hmm. If you were going to recommend just a movie, like they had never seen any Star Trek movies, this would be a good movie yeah. to start with, I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't start at the beginning. Oh, you have to watch all the movies from the beginning. It's like, no, 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 very good. Now, we've talked a little bit about, you, you said you had the director's cut, mm-hmm. and I was asking if you remembered any substantial differences. Oh, right. And um, you said, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, there's just a few little things, and um, it seems to me, I remember there used to be these discussions online of, uh, was this one scene actually in the movie, or did everybody mass dream it? <laughs> Because so many people say, I remember seeing that. And it was a scene where um, where Kirk and Spock were talking about Savick and, and uh, Savick, or Spock says something about her Vulcan Romulan heritage. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Because that's one of the things that gets argued about. Is it really canon? And people go, yeah, it was in the movie. And, you know, there's just other little things mm-hmm. that, that were snipped out. And watching it... Um, yeah, there's there's some discussion, like after he introduces Peter Preston, uh-huh. um, and before Kirk says the thing about, are you up to a training 
ride or <laughs> voyage, um, where there's a little bit of discussion in there, and Scotty says, yes, he's my sister's youngest. Uh-huh. So little snips like that are made. Okay. And somebody also told me once that in one of the showings on TV, they even cut the scene where Scotty showed up on the bridge with the dead body. Oh, really? Oh. Which is a totally pointless, stupid thing for him to do. He should have gone right straight to sick bay. Yes. But, um, yeah, so it's... It seems to me I have heard that a lot of that is restoring what got cut for TV. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I saw this in the movies, but it was such a long time ago, and I've seen it so many times since then that I can't distinguish. Plus, in between the time when I saw it in the movies and when I started seeing it on TV, I read the novelization, which totally corrupted my memory of mm. the actual movie. Right. So I, I like you know took the stuff that was in the book, because there was a lot of stuff in the oh, book yeah. that didn't make it into the movie. And I filled in all those blank spaces. And then later on, after I read Wildcat's fanfic, uh-huh. I totally corrupted it again. Yes. Because then I filled in all the stuff that she had written about Savick. So mm-hmm. it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, her fanfic is really good. Yes, yes. Her fanfic is, is wonderful. and uh, It made my memory really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, one of the things that is not in the movie, um, that in Surfing the Web there has been some discussion, now that people are doing things like, you know, they found old films and, and so they post it mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Is one of the original drafts of the movie had um, that Khan and Marla had a child. Yes. And they, they cut that because they decided um, the, the way they were going to have the baby die was some really horrible thing having to do with it getting too close to the Genesis device or something. Oh, ew. They decided this was not a, a good yeah. good idea to have that. Well, I had read in other places that um, Khan's lieutenant, Joaquin, is mm-hmm. supposed to be his son. Mm-hmm. But that would be weird because he hadn't been there long enough. I mean, they were there for 15, 15 years, years, and he's clearly not 15 years old. Right. So unless it's something to do with the fact that he matured very quickly because of Khan's super genes or something like that. Well, it's also interesting that none of Khan's crew aged except Khan. Yeah, yeah, they all look like they're, you know, 16 years old. Right. So, I don't know if that's supposed to be canon or not, and I can't remember in the novelization if Joaquin is, in the novelization, given as his son. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's, what else is interesting in this movie? There are, you know, a number of deaths. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter Preston dies, Spock dies, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and Joaquin dies. Mm-hmm. And they all have last words. Yes. And their last words are all meaningless stupid. Because <laughs> Joaquin says, yours is the superior. <laughs> like, that's an important message to convey. Peter Preston says, is the word given, Admiral? <laughs> and then, um, who's the other one? Well, Spock. Oh, yeah, Spock. I have been and always will be your friend. <laughs> the only one who really has good death words is Khan, and they were written by Herman Melville. <laughs> and so if you were going to write things that were that coherent and really fit into the plot, uh-huh. everybody else should have died quietly. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I also think that this movie, because of all the deaths that happen, and it suffers from um, the conceit that when you're going to die, you're coherent enough to actually say something, mm-hmm. that you're not just lying there like, oh, Yeah, with systems shutting down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's true. Because that it's doesn't true. really happen in real life that way. No, no, very Most rarely. Most people just die. <laughs> that's true. That's how it. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how we're made. That's how we're made. We just die. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that was really fun. 
Yes. So I'm glad we got to watch that. So on the subject of this, though. Yes. Um, the movie title, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh-huh. I have to tell you a story. Once, um, it was at one of the cons. Uh-huh. And Risa, I don't a know if you remember con. her. She and I <laughs> oh, had yeah. gone to a supermarket to buy the, the room snacks, you uh-huh. know, two shopping carts full of junk food <laughs> and, soda and beer. And so we're buying it. We're in line at the supermarket. And we've just been talking and giggling. And everything in the supermarket made us laugh. I remember a Barbie doll made us laugh real hard. And I don't remember why. But at the checkout counter where they have kids' DVDs uh-huh. was a DVD of a, a Disney um, Winnie the Pooh movie. Not the Winnie the Pooh movie, but, uh, you know, one that went directly to DVD. And uh, it was called... <laughs> The search for Christopher Robin, and we both just cracked up because we decided it was the sequel to The Wrath of Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great fanfic. The yes, Wrath of and actually, Lisa wrote like the first I don't know page or so then, <laughs> of a Winnie the Pooh fanfic. You know, the Star Trek fanfic. It was so cute because she totally captured the, the voice of those stories. Oh, but that's so funny. Great. I like that. The yes. Rapid Tigger. Yep. That's what I think about whenever I see Winnie the Pooh type things. <laughs> so, let's take a little break. Okay. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about when okay. we come back. So, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the Let's go have some champagne and mingle with our supporters. All right. I think that's a great idea. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Things Bill wants you to know. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Y ahora, mírale el culito con las chicas sexy, LT y la gatita de la jungla. Okay, well, I'll take another swig, too. <laughs> I'm having mm. the A&W's Diet Champagne. What are you having? I'm having uh, Fresca Champagne. Mm. It's really good. So, um, we wanted to make one announcement, which was there is this thing called Trekspace. It's at trekspace.org. And it's a social networking group for people who are fans of Star Trek. And it's through the, the Ning system that um, was set up by, um, what's his name? Um, Mark Andreessen, who started, um, oh, he invented the internet Netscape. in a way. Yes, yes. Netscape. Um, anyway, this is his thing, and it's called Ning, which I think is supposed to be short for networking. 
I think it's a stupid name. Yeah. Anyway, the name N I N G. But I think having what is basically a fanboy site, mm -hmm. it's good to have a name like Ning. Uh, yeah, I think so. So the Trekspace thing is part of Ning, and it's at trekspace.org. And we signed up for an account, so we're at Look at His Butt, and we've already added a bunch of friends. So and people have friended us. People have friended us. So if you are a member of Trekspace, you can go look for us. Um, Trekspace has a blog feature, so what I'm doing is cross-posting our shows oh, okay. in the, the Trekspace blog as well, so that people who... Um, might not know about us, could see and could click right through right there to download the show or listen okay. to it if they wanted to. And I did want to respond to one of the person who posted a welcome mm -hmm. hi. Um, somebody said, oh great, the Boston Legal <laughs> Podcast, you're here. And I want to say, no, um, we're not the Boston Legal Podcast, although we do talk about it. Yes. But we're, we're the other one. We're the butt girls. We're the butt girls, yeah. We're not that. So anyway, just a, a quick thing. Shatner apparently is on Trekspace. He's he got, is on all of the social networks. So he's, he's on MySpace. He and is someone doing that for yes. him. Yes. So he's there, and I put in a friend request for us to him. I don't know if it was accepted. Not that I think he, he knows anything about it or has anything to do with it. I don't think so. But anyway. Mm. He didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of downtime. Yeah. When he's just surfing the internet as if he could use a computer on mm -hmm. his own and figure out. Because the... He was totally baffled by the whole, how do you subscribe, subscribe thing. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean? How do you do how that? How does that happen? How does that work? <laughs> and then what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the other, oh, this was the other thing I wanted to talk about. Speaking of the blog, I posted a video to the blog that was very kindly um, mm -hmm. sent to us. The link was sent by Mr. Ataz. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ataz. His real name was Joe. That's interesting that uh, the time period Mr. Ataz chose to go back to was the 21st century Earth. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so okay. That's good. That was a really interesting interview. So it looked like it was done for uh, TV or maybe uh, like a news show. Mm -hmm. And it was done right prior to when they started filming Five because they asked him about that in the interview. Right, but I, I got the impression that it was right after he had filmed Five or maybe during it. Maybe it was during it because it yeah. sounded like the guy said to him, when are you going to be shooting? And he said, really soon. Oh, or I must have. like that. Blanked out at that point. I was probably looking at his butt. Yeah. Um, it was. It was a really interesting view. He was very serious. Yes, and I was just going to say it's a side of Bill you don't see all that mm -hmm. often. And I think part of that is the questions the guy was asking were not questions you normally hear mm -hmm. in these interviews. So Bill was actually having to give it some thought yep. and some focus. It was really good. And the thing that fascinated me most of all, and this was directly related to the conversation we were having the other day, was... Um, when they said, you know, watching yourself, and he said, I don't like to watch myself, or I don't like to look at myself. Right. And so I think he's probably telling the truth when he, he is talking about films or TV that he's done. Mm -hmm. I think he likes to look at himself in mirrors, or used to, anyway. <laughs> so when he says, I don't like to look at myself, it's not like in real life. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. I don't think he likes to see himself on film, but... He's the kind of guy who would like to have a mirror over his bed, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's what I think. Maybe he does. Well, he probably does, or did, or I don't know. I, right. mean, I don't know about now, but I can't believe that, that he doesn't, or didn't, I mean, I don't know about now, but look at himself in mirrors. He was so good looking, how could he not want to look at himself? I know what he's got over his bed. What? It's a mirror. Uh-huh. But it's one of those funhouse mirrors that makes everything <laughs> skinny. skinny. <laughs> <laughs> and younger. Yeah. That's what he has. Yep. Know. That's what he has. Okay. So 
It's a, but it's a really good little interview. It he, is. He talks about a bunch of things, and I love the fact that he was grading himself <gasps> on different things. And I thought his grading was really accurate. It seemed quite good. You know, yeah. he gave himself an F in patience. Patience. Yep. Which makes sense. Yep, makes sense. So if you haven't seen that, go to the blog, and it's linked there. And I think it's called um, Bill Looks at Bill or something like or that. Or Bill on Bill. Bill something. on Bill, yeah. Um, and I also want to just point out to anybody who doesn't know that we do post things to the blog in between shows, mm -hmm. pictures and links and, and sometimes comments, you know, things like that. I mean, comments from us. Other people post comments mm -hmm. as well. So really, you know, if you're truly a fan and it is our 100th show, um, Go check out what's on the blog, yeah, too, yeah. when you need your fix and we haven't put up a show, you know. because yeah, there'll be stuff there. We're always trying to put stuff there. Yes. Oh, that's good. Now, speaking of Bill and his appearance. Yes. In one of our earlier shows, we had asked, did Bill ever have a beard or something? Mm -hmm. And our friend Itty wrote to us and sent us a number of pictures and it just made me do a, oh, I could have had a V8 moment because... He had a goatee just a few years ago, mm -hmm. remember? Mm -hmm. And it was because he had grown it for a role he was going to play in a movie that never happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Itty sent us a number of these pictures, and we'll probably put one up. But anyway, she and I got into a uh, little bit of conversation about Bill and, and facial hair and why we liked or didn't like it. And I, I just want to kind of get your take on this, okay. too. So Itty says... Um, <clears throat> Personally, I like him with a goatee, but not just a mustache. The serious 5 o'clock shadow in the parody of American Idol, and she's talking about when he was in that um, music video of Brad Paisley's, okay. where he's like an American Idol judge. She says, that gives one the idea of Bill sporting the scruffy look. Again, I personally like it. However, when he was young, he was just too pretty to be scruffy. He couldn't make me believe he was a cowboy in all those TV <laughs> shows either. And that got me thinking. And so I wrote back to her, and I said, now that you have pointed out that he's too pretty to be scruffy, I realized why that looks good on some young men. Mm -hmm. There are actors who are just too good looking. Mm -hmm. You never believe them in any role because their features are too regular, too perfect. The scruffy look gives them a little bit of regular guy, maybe even a little character. And I remembered um, my husband and I were watching a movie. Um, it was... Uh, it's not called Space Cadets. Starship Troopers. <laughs> Space Cadets. <laughs> Starship Troopers. And uh -huh. I, I can't remember the leading man's name. Uh -huh. But anyway, he is just, he's like Mark Valley. Just his features yeah. are just, you know, just too good. And my husband said he's too, too good looking for his own good. Uh -huh. And I've since seen him. Now, it's like 10 years later or something, and when he had the beard and everything, he looked more like a person and uh -huh. not like a Ken doll. Uh -huh. So I think Bill's features just just didn't didn't lend to that and here's what it he said yes it sometimes brings pretty boys down to earth i'm not sure bill could have ever come to earth in his 20s or 30s <laughs> he was just so fine i agree with that i think that that's true i i think that that's absolutely true mm -hmm. that he was too pretty to to ever really look tough or scruffy mm -hmm. just not going to happen right. for him. Right. No, no it's, it's not It's not in his nature, not in his looks. Yeah. yeah. And um, and she sent pictures, and I remembered seeing those, and of course, we've seen him in a number of roles with fake mustache mm -hmm. and stuff, and and they just don't don't suit him. He looks best clean shaven. I think so. In my I, opinion. I agree with that. Yeah. Everything that we've ever seen him in, in the few roles where he has been sort of in a grittier occupation, it always looks like he's kind of playing at it. He mm -hmm. doesn't look like... 
he's really getting himself dirty or, you know, manual labor or whatever. Right. But when it's a fight scene... Oh, well, that's different. You always believe he's getting himself dirty, yeah. you know. He, yeah. But that's not what he does every day for a living, you know. No. He would never be a boxer, for example. <laughs> not Put a little fake bruise yeah. on. Yeah, something like that. You know, I want to bring up something before we leave this topic and move on to the next thing we've officially planned. We haven't talked about Boston Legal. Oh, I was going to ask you about Boston Legal because we we haven't talked about it at all. And I, I know, and I've, I've been watching it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think they've done, I don't know, five or six shows mm-hmm. that I've been watching. And, you know, it's, it's good. There are some good Bill moments. Everybody's doing a good job. But from what I had heard, J.J. Abrams? No. <laughs> no. He, no um, God, I can't even think of the name of the, the writer-producer guy anymore now. It's totally leaving me. Okay, well, that guy. guy. He had said, you know, that he wanted to do this arc that focused on the um, uh, uh, Denny mm-hmm. Allen relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seeing that happen. <laughs> and in fact, <laughs> I am not seeing anything moving forward. Huh. It's like every episode is, I mean, it's good, it's well done, it's a different topic, but it re, and they're just rehashing things. I think um, we've had now at least two too many balcony scenes of Denny and Alan talking about how special their friendship is. Um, the only thing that has moved forward is in the, the last episode that I saw, um, Espenson mm-hmm. made partner. Oh, really? And oh. it was very, very touching. And you did, you have seen growth in that character. Yeah. And there's also been a little growth in the character of Carl Sack. And mm-hmm. you especially saw it in this Jerry Makes Partner, partner thing. But, um, Pretty much Alan and Denny are going along on the same path they've always been on, and they're starting to retread the path. Oh, that's disappointing. So it's not like it's so disappointing like, oh, fuck, I've seen this before. I mean, it's always good to see those guys working, but it isn't what I was led to believe we were going to see. Does it seem to you like they're just marking time till the season's over because it's the last season? Well, I don't know. I had gotten the impression that they were all thinking... Oh, good, we got another season, and they have a shortened season. Mm-hmm. And so I had got the impression that every of the show was going, let's go out with a bang, mm-hmm. and that that was the the the, the um, idea of the producer, the great, whose name we don't remember, but who's the great <laughs> creative force behind uh-huh. the show and writes many of the scripts. So I don't know. I just, I I mean, it's it's still good. It's still a quality show. It's got its comic elements mm-hmm. and its, its drama elements. Um, Betty White has reappeared. Mm-hmm. But... I'm not seeing the forward momentum. Hmm. Well, that's that's. So it's becoming a standard law show in that way that they have a case each week. They have a case each week. Mm-hmm. Standard medical show. We had, you know, mm-hmm. in and this show has always been yes about the case of the week or the two or three cases of the week. But we've seen these character relationships be revealed bit by bit, mm-hmm. and now they're not even being coy with us. Like there's more, but we're not going to show it to you. It's mm-hmm. like they're just they just keep revealing the stuff that we've already seen. Yeah. Now, there's been just a tiny, tiny bit of, of movement on the mad cow thing, which mm-hmm. is they had... Oh, this actually was pretty funny, and I think it might have been the last episode I saw, too. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli was the guest star. Really? Yes, and and I might have missed a line. They kept calling her Valerie, so I don't know if she was playing herself <laughs> or playing a woman named Valerie, but it was a woman who had a cattle ranch, and all of her cattle, she tested, she's a small business, and she tested all of her cattle for mad cow, and she was publicizing this, and the government was telling her she couldn't publicize it because it made the rest of them who hmm. don't test and don't have to test 
and she didn't have to test. Mm -hmm. She was doing it because she wanted to, making them look bad. And um, they and they had uh, done an episode on Alzheimer's and stuff, so they're kind of doing that. And they were kind of raising the possibility that maybe uh, Denny doesn't have Alzheimer's, that it was the combination of all these medicines huh. that he was taking, and then they haven't gone with it. So, people, if you're watching it and you've picked up on subtleties that <laughs> I have missed, because, you know, by 10 o'clock Monday night, I'm, you know... <laughs> and uh, so maybe there is some undercurrent there I'm not really picking up. Okay. Well, I'd be interesting to know that. Yeah. I would like to Well, know. I'm going to continue watching. I'm not yeah. saying don't watch. Well, I think that in the last episode, they should either have Denny shoot someone, they should have him marry Shirley, or he and Shirley and Alan should get together for a threesome. Any of those would be all right. Well, I think he and in and um, he and Alan should take Prop Eight to court because <gasps> of their civil rights and because they want to get married. I think that that would work too. You know what else I'm thinking about Prop Eight? Mm. We weren't going to talk politics, <laughs> but you know how there are our straight people uh, many times. Not many times, like it happens every day, but it does happen often enough that they marry for reasons other than than love mm -hmm. and um, and sex and procreation. It's usually for financial reasons mm -hmm. or or a lot of things like that. And I'm thinking, you know, it might if it, gay marriage, same sex marriage becomes common, it might not become that unusual for like two elderly women mm -hmm. to marry each other just for the, the security, the companionship, mm -hmm. and to not have the hassle of that person being able to be at their side when they die, even though it's not a romantic love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gary, uh, Gary, <laughs> uh, Denny and Alan are always going on and on about they're the most important thing to That's each other. True. So, maybe. I don't know, maybe they, maybe they are planning on doing a Prop 8 thing. Because be they did have a show... It was the night before the election. It was Monday night, and they were all, you know, talking about the election, and Alan and Denny really got into a big fight mm -hmm. over who they were going to vote for. But, again, they were retreading the same thing because a few episodes earlier, they had gotten into a big fight. I can't even remember what it was over, but it was one of the cases. Mm -hmm. And they were so angry with each other that, you know, their friendship was over. And then, like, two-thirds of the way through it, Alan comes in to talk to Denny, and Denny says, I thought you weren't talking to me. Oh, I'm over that. And this was the same thing. This is bigger than our friendship. And then, oh, okay. I still love you. You know, so... Well, they did that last season, too. Exactly. That's yeah. why I'm saying they're doing the same things to us. Mm. It's like, it's such a big thing, it's going to imperil their friendship. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and you already did that twice before. You know, fool me once, shame yeah. on you. <laughs> fool me twice. You can't fool me ever again, as President Bush said. God, I can't wait for that guy to be gone. As I have said often, is he still president? <laughs> you know, one thing I really enjoyed about the, the final few weeks of the election was he was in hiding. Yeah, totally. Then none of the Republicans wanted good. to hear about him. It so was good. He was absentee. He couldn't even go home to vote. He and Laura cast their votes absentee at the White House. And I think she voted for uh, for Obama. Yeah, I, think I think she voted for Bob Barr, the Libertarian. <laughs> <sighs> All right, shall we move on to the last topic? No, no let's take else. let's take a short break. Okay, we okay. Can take a short break. Cue the music.
Er hat einen knackigen Arsch. Such a party going on in the other room. I gotta tell you, I get out there. My assistant is sitting on the copier, naked, with it running and yelling, Look at my butt! Look at my butt! So, yeah, the whole staff here is just, just high as kites. Anyway, this, um, this is a wonderful email, and I doubt that it could be sent to any other podcast, TV show, radio show. Anything newspaper columnist in the world, it could only come to us. Yes, I agree. And I want to read it. Hello, ladies. I discovered your podcast not quite six months ago and have had a great have had great fun playing catch up with the episodes and laughing with your views on all things Bill. When I saw this article on somethingawful.com titled Horrifying Sex Toys from Beyond I immediately thought of you two. I don't know if you've had any experiences with these particular devices, but I'd suspect that I'd be ki- that it'd be kind of hard for anyone to keep it to themselves if they had. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for making the days I'm able to listen to your show more giggly around the edges. And it's from Katrina. Well, Katrina, uh, I can't tell you how quickly I forwarded this to a few chosen, well-chosen friends. Uh-huh. And uh, it is a site called Horrifying Sex Toys from Beyond, and they are horrifying. They are completely horrifying. So Something Awful is a really good site. They often have really interesting things, and I think we've talked about some stuff that was here before. Um, and this particular thing... Um, was put together by a guy that I, I don't really know him, but I know of him, Zach Parsons, who's one of the, the editors there. So um, I'll read what it says, what his introduction says. Yes, and, and talk about the... The, the, the warning. Yes, because that's pretty amazing, too. <laughs> it says, A friend of mine named Matt works for a company that deals in some unusual merchandise. Adult toys, marital aids, whatever you want to call them. These rubber rods and latex cones come in a wide variety of shapes and sizes. Matt sometimes spots something unusual in the inventory and sends me an email to get my reaction. I look at the image of a purple dildo shaped like a whale's penis and say something like, no way is this thing real. Invariably, it is real. (laughs) After months of receiving these disturbing emails from Matt, I have compiled the most unusual items to share with you. Before we begin, I need to warn you, these images can be... No, that isn't adequate. This calls for a real warning message. So underneath in bold it says, Warning, do not read this article at work. And then there's uh, two images on the side that's like a, you know, a has, hazmat kind of thing. It says, Horrifying imagery. And it's like a guy looking at some radiation that's floating <laughs> his face. That's a very good description of this. The article, this article contains imagery that is unsuitable to human beings. Extremely detailed rubber genitalia, including horrifying tubes with vaginas and anuses and penises that look like they came from a monster are depicted in graphic detail. 
No sex acts are demonstrated, but to the detriment of all concerned, they can be easily imagined. Do not read this article at work. It, oh, very true. There are 13 it's, pages of this. <laughs> I was I, actually quite horrified at some of this stuff. Now, um, m- my preface to this is by saying, if you ever had any doubts that um, there is a certain class of men in the world who view women as nothing more than their sex organs, this proves it for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we're so happy that those guys probably never have girlfriends or reproduce <laughs> or anything like that because you don't want to know a guy who, who gets off doing this. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> but interestingly, he started with something that was for women. Yes. Which I was, I thought was, like the first, I saw the first one, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. This isn't really horrifying. I know, you were thinking, okay, it's, it's kind of weird looking, but I can see what what it does and how yeah. that could be appealing. That would be all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was all right. But so, then it goes on from there. Yeah. So the first one, um, we'll talk about some of these, but not mm-hmm. all of them, is called Venus Love. And it actually looks like the kind of thing that you'd get from, um, I don't know, um, Libida or, or one mm-hmm. of the other places that we've gotten toys from. And it's um, a vibrator that has um, <laughs> these really weird, they look a little tentacly coming off mm-hmm. of it, and I think that that's the clip part of it, where the tentacles come off. Mm-hmm. So it says, uh, advanced futuristic design, complete with cascading love leaves, that's what they're called, love leaves, that line the shaft with variable speed vibrating side arm. Um, so it de- develop, sorry, delivers a tingling sensation. When the tip is pressed against body, it creates a sucking sensation as it is moved. Great for clitoral and nipple stimulation. So, okay, I got to point out something. Yes. In one of my earlier fanfic stories, one that is, and I say this with all modesty, considered by many people to be a classic. <laughs> uh, Gary Mitchell is raped by an alien who's. A, a, a unit yeah, is kind of like, like that. This. Yeah, that's true. But they're called prongs, and yeah. they're sharp. Okay. <laughs> and they're not a nice, friendly lilac color. Yes. So this isn't very bad. So that was fine. I looked at it, and I was like, okay. That's all right. But then I think the next one is... Well, did you read his comment? Oh, I did. You could read the comment. Oh, okay. Well, this comment... Um, we're not going to read them all, but women's sex toys are getting more terrifying <laughs> and otherworldly every year. It's as if the basic shape and function of a human penis is no longer satisfying <laughs> to the liberated 21st century woman. The Venus love is definitely raising the bar. Actually, it appears to be raising something up from the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> some primordial nightmare half-glimpsed through the dark portal of the bathosphere, some sort of bioluminescent invertebrate with stinging fronds. <laughs> Forget about your pussy. You would scream if your hand brushed against this thing on the nightstand. It's got a look that says, I inject a necrotizing poison and suck out liquefied <laughs> tissue. <laughs> These days, there just might be a markup for that. <laughs> Now, okay, the next one, again, not horrifying to me. It's it's a butt plug thing. <laughs> this one made me laugh. Well, the, co- the commentary on one part of it was hilarious. So it's basically this white um, butt plug with a little handle on the end, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, it's a butt plug. And, you know, it actually looks to me like some sort of uh, kitchen utensil. It does look like a kitchen like utensil. Like you use it to do something to batter. It's true. So this was the commentary, and it's called the um, Aneros Paradise, get it? Paradise. Yes. 
And he says, this image of the Aneros Paradise has the same austere look as a spare part for a dialysis machine pictured in a medical supply catalog. Or maybe a restaurant supply catalog. Mm -hmm. It's not something you buy for a wild night of orgasmic pleasure. It's something you buy when you're making your own olive oil and you want a really (laughs) airtight stopper. That's true. But this was the best part. The NRS also has that vague computerized perfectness of a CAD concept. Like, it was never actually intended for production. They just designed it to prove the concept that if you stick it up your ass, your wind resistance will be lowered. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It does look like a CAD design. It does. That was crazy. And you know, it's all white, so it looks like it could have been made at Apple. It's true. It, it's got that Apple look. Okay. It's the next iPod oh, thing. God. So then, this, oh, then. Then you go to the next one, which is like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so horrible. You will get out the brain bleach. Oh. Oh. Do you want to try and describe what this thing is? Okay. <laughs> well, here's what they say it is. <laughs> Molded on super hot and acrobatic porn star Belladonna, this realistic pussy and ass masturbator feels so real you'll love touching it as much as using it. So what it is, is it's a plastic molding of this woman, you know, bent over and, you know, there's her her pussy and that's wide open and there's her asshole and as they point out later on, the asshole looks like a pencil sharpener. It does. It absolutely um, does. But also molded on the plastic are two hands that are like holding it open for you. So not only are you fucking a rubber thing, you're such a, a limp dick useless person. You need someone else to help you fuck. A rubber thing. Can I also point out that those don't look like a woman's hands? No. Not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. And it says in the description, designed to look like Belladonna bending over and spreading both her pussy and ass open for you. But no, those aren't her hands. Mm -hmm. Those can't be her hands. They're man hands. Yeah. Oh. So it's like, ugh. So his commentary says, this is great. And this is very Star Trek, It sure is. If the human species ever has to stand trial in a galactic court, this thing is going to be one of the exhibits for the prosecution, the one that gets our race condemned to the interstellar sex offender registry. (laughs) Quote, the extreme pussy and ass with the hands is proof enough, the two-headed judge will declare. You are a race of perverts. May Zogluck have mercy on your souls. (laughs) We'll have to let every alien species we come in contact with know about our history as sex-offending species. Yeah, the partial rubber ass with the, yeah, with the hands pulling it open, yeah, that was us. But we've changed. (laughs) We don't make these sorts of things anymore. We've been through therapy, and we've learned our lessons. We won't be able to get good jobs. We won't be able to colonize planets near schools. Really, this thing marks the decline of human civilization. Let's pray to Zoglock we can erase every trace of it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty horrible. It's like, okay, if you want to fuck a hunk of rubber, <laughs> that looks... Mm-hmm. Oh. So the next one is, is more of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this case, it's even less of it, though. It's just a pussy. And one hand. And, and one hand. No, it has an asshole. Well, that's it, the one that looks it, like a pencil sharpener. That's sharp true, but, but it's a much smaller piece of rubber. Yes. So I guess it's it's like, how big a piece of rubber do you want to fuck? That's, uh, uh, that's the handy on the road one. You get them both. Oh, there the one you go. at home. This is one you put in your yeah. luggage to take out trips. Right. Yeah, it's and the, since it's rubber, it won't set off airport detectors, and no one will ever see it. It's yeah. the travel one. Yeah, travel. Yeah, That's what it is. The, the traveling, disgusting, sicko, pussy hole. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> then it starts getting into some really silly, silly 
things. Yeah. Like, is this one really supposed to be a thing that you masturbate with, or is it a joke? I don't know. It's it's made by Seymour Butts Toys. Seymour yeah. Butts. Butts. Get it? it? It's a joke. And it's called The Gaper Ass Masturbator. <laughs> And it looks exactly like what you would think. Mm -hmm. It looks like... Yeah, if I was asked to describe a, a gaping ass masturbator... Uh-huh. Yeah. What? It's it's an asshole that's been stretched to its widest limits so that you could, you know, peer inside like a kaleidoscope, I suppose. Um, did you read the manufacturer's description? I know. It's horrible. It says, you've never felt a stretched sphincter so warm and inviting until now. Slap her ass and it sounds just like the real thing. Hold on and enjoy each thrust. So, can I just ask, and I've asked this question before. I don't know if I've um, asked you this particular question. But what is the obsession with fucking women in the ass? Why is that such a huge obsession for men? For some men? <laughs> some men do it because some women like it. So that's different. That, that's, that's part a total of pleasure play with your partner. Yes. But um, I think, and I think this goes back to our earlier discussion off the show about why are some straight men mm -hmm. so scared of gay men? Mm -hmm. And these are probably the same men who, you know, think this is a thing to do to a woman, is if you're, because they think, it absolutely will not pleasure her. Mm -hmm. So it is humiliating. Yeah. So it's a dominance thing, just like a dog humping a sofa to prove he's king of the sofa or something. I think it's that sort of thing. That's so sad. Well, and it really is. Because, yeah. again, anal sex can be very pleasurable. Well, yeah. And regular sex can also be really horrible, depending on how you're doing it and who you're doing it with and yeah. the circumstances and what your objective is. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's just so weird. And, and you know the thing that bugs me most of all is that um, for this, this particular group of men who think that that is the, the ultimate thing that you can do is to fuck a woman in the ass, um, that the expression, getting fucked in the ass or bending over and taking it, is the worst thing that could happen to you. Mm -hmm. It's the most humiliating, the most demeaning and that's the thing that you want to do to a woman. And when they, yeah, and when they <laughs> say, you know, yeah, just bend over and take it, a lot of times... I mean, that means you lose. Yeah, I yeah. win. It's this total. Yeah. But, and, and yet, that's, you know, a woman who's really, really hot mm -hmm. is a woman who will let you fuck her in the ass. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, it's such a horrible juxtaposition of things. Yeah. It yeah. really makes me kind of ill when I look at these. So then the next one <laughs> is... <laughs> this one made me laugh. Oh. <laughs> it's a moaning fuck doll. It and that says, is literally what it is called. Yes, that is the name of this particular thing. And, and of course, it starts in a way that we were just describing. She doesn't have a name, but who cares? <laughs> this slut is all yours to do as you please. She's got plump, round breasts, silky blonde hair, full red lips, and a velvety soft pussy and ass that feel just like the real thing, only better. Yeah. Now, um, the box, of course, only shows a picture of an actual real woman. Who's, who's oh, you're sure that's not the moaning fuck doll? No, I don't think that's the moaning fuck doll. Okay. I think that's a real woman, and I think that they're and just... And you know who she looks like? Um, Shauna? No, <laughs> no, um, she, she looks like, um... Kalinda. <laughs> she, does like, she does look like Kalinda. You're right about that. Um, I think that what they're showing in the box are the two pieces of plastic that you actually fuck. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it is just like an inflatable, horrible 
you know, like with a really bad Barbie wig and the rest of it is, is like nothing. Well, um, and their comments on it are really, really wonderful. I think mm -hmm. it says, she doesn't have a name, but who cares? You don't have any dignity, so who cares? You're going to die alone, but who cares? <laughs> Imagine the stark desperation of taking this thing out of the box carefully assembling all of its creepy components and then going through the tedious process of inflating the doll. It's like blowing up your no-life raft. Definitely. Yeah. Matt suggested that it come packaged with a cyanide pill. <laughs> but I think that's about six months too late for the person who has sunk to this level. They have proven too cowardly to end their life and have instead opted to live out their miserable existence sweating and grunting atop an inflatable doll as a tinny robot voice moans, Ow! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's see. What's the next one? Oh, the next one is racist and sexist. At yeah, the yeah. Time. It's incredible. So this one is, is another travel item. Yeah. And it's called Flip Assista Over. So it's basically a, a tube of plastic that has like a pussy in one side and a butt in the other, and it's brown. Mm -hmm. And it comes with a bottle of lube. Ew. <laughs> That's horrible. It, it is really, really, really horrible. Oh, okay, what's the next one? Gia Darling, futurotic <laughs> this masturbator. Is just weird. <laughs> I like the word futurotic, or is it futurotic? Oh, it could be either one of those things. Um, so this is a, a she-male type thing, but I don't understand what this is. <laughs> I, is it, like, do you stick your dick into it, or do you just hang on to it and kind of grab it? Is it big? Is it life-size? Whatever. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. But it's, it's a, it's, it looks like it's made out of plastic or maybe rubber, and it's just a torso that starts right above the tits and right... Um, at the top of the thighs, and it's made of like white plastic, and it's got tits and a dick. Yes, and here's what the uh, website people have to say: tits and penis design works okay for the futurotic masturbator, but I say why limit ourselves? I would like to see more practical devices include these features. Maybe a car with tits and penis steering, or a tits and penis baby stroller. What in the world would not be made better by arbitrarily attaching a penis and tits? <laughs> I agree. Oh, I so totally true. So great. very, very true. Yeah. I'm so glad that we have this for show 100. Oh, this is great. Because what, what would not be made better by, by arbitrarily attaching tits and penis? Mm -hmm. So this is the, the uh, show 100 Futurotic Masturbator Tits and Penis <laughs> podcast. Um, the next one is another racist one. So mm -hmm. it's the Chocolate Love Pussy, which is another travel item. It's just a hunk of rubber. That, that looks like a pussy. This one comes with a DVD, though. Yes. <laughs> it says, looks and feels like a real woman of color. When I get home, I'm going to put in my free DVD and fuck the shit out of that potato. Because <laughs> it does. It looks like it a potato. Looks, yeah, it looks like if you had a Mr. Potato Head thing that made a pussy. Right, yeah. Yes. <sighs> Let's see. What was the next one? Um... Oh, now this this is totally weird. I agree that this is such a strange thing to sell. It's called the Pipe Dream Extreme Toys Rub One Out Masturbator. It's a rubber hand mm -hmm. that you stick a vibrator into. Mm -hmm. Because apparently a real hand, that is your own hand, 
just isn't good enough. Well, okay, you, sh you see these at Halloween in store windows, at least you do in New York. The hand that goes like this, the rubber hand, uh -huh. and it, for everybody's edification, I am moving uh -huh. my index finger in a little circle. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a masturbator thing mm -hmm. for women, so why shouldn't guys have this? I guess so. But I can guarantee you, we're not going to see it in a store window, you know, <laughs> at Halloween. I like the comment. It says, produced by <laughs> Ultimate Redundancy Adult Education Amusements. <laughs> This product only makes sense if you are if you are going creepy sex toy Dr. Frankenstein and trying to construct your own real doll in a piecemeal fashion. It's not alive, but it's vibrating and moaning. <laughs> yeah. That's just weird. Very, very weird. Yeah. All right. What's the next one? <laughs> oh, this, this one. This is the one. Ugh. I couldn't... You know, when we started doing this, it's been like a week since I looked at this site. I couldn't remember if this one was really there or if it had appeared in a bad dream of mine. <laughs> so this is um, a dildo that's called Head O-State, and it's basically a gold dildo with um, Barack Obama's head on it. it. In some ways, it could be seen as a brown dildo. It looks That's true. It looks kind of gold, but it could be brown. And it's a commemorative a edition. commemorative edition. It says... Commemorative edition, presumably so you can commemorate the exact moment you became part of the problem. <laughs> the only thing creepier than a gold Obama dildo is the rendition of him on the package, which is horrifying, yes. too. At least they found a way to reuse all those Trevor Goodchild dildos that were collecting dust. Is there a John McCain one? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's it's the saying you love your candidate, oh. so are there others? Oh, I don't know. That's or did they rush this one into production oh. after they saw the polls and, and said, we've got to have this out by election day? Yeah. Okay, and then this is the last one, which is so bizarre, so incredibly bizarre. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is such a what the fuck. And the only thing that could make it worse. Okay, let's let's say this is like um, <laughs> we're both words here. wordless here. What it is is it is it is a plastic woman's chest, big round boobs with nipples, and between them and just a little below them is a vagina. Yes. So it's like you've taken the only parts of a woman that a real man is only interested in, mm -hmm. moved them close together, and now you can just have that. Oh, and they vibrate. And they vibrate. Yeah. And it's called Hannah Harper's Titty Fucker. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have a feeling your radio will start making creepy noises <laughs> when you take this thing out of the box. If only Salvador Dali had survived to stick his dick into this. Yes. Well, the only thing that could make it worse, and in some ways more useful to uh, the the type of man who wants mm -hmm. this, is if right below the vagina was well, a, butthole, a butthole. Of course, a butthole. I don't know why they didn't put that in there. I don't. Okay, well, they could have. They could have. We're only up to number 12, but that's all there is. But it reminds me, once there was a discussion on one of the Trek groups, and we were talking about aliens and everything, and sex, and somebody said, why? I, it was amazing to her that um, that the that nobody ever come up with, like, an alien sex, an alien who, you know, had a dick, mm -hmm. but, like, above his dick was positioned something that when it was used, uh, when the alien was having sex with the woman, this thing would manipulate her clit. Mm. And one of the best responses I ever saw was somebody wrote, you mean like a mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, <gasps> but I do want to read you what Katrina said about the sex toys. Oh, when okay. she and I were going back and forth a little bit, because I said, um, well, I started out, let's see, I'll just scroll up a little bit, and I said, dear Katrina, so here I was, basking in the glow of Obama's big win. I must have looked at this like on election mm -hmm. night or right after. And feeling all proud and patriotic and beaming with beneficence towards my fellow inhabitants of this, inhabitants of this planet. And then I clicked the link. My balloon lands. No, it doesn't land. It crashes to the ground and explodes, spreading toxic gas and refuse for miles around. Oh, the shame, the shame. And she writes back, and here's, she said, as for the toys, I can't get over how much the idea of using the first one, it's kind of an incomplete sentence here, but I think she means to say, it holds as much appeal as jamming a live lamprey up my snatch. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's a question. Okay. Do you think Bill uses any sex toys or ever did? Um... I think the time when you really, really need sex toys mm -hmm. is when you're, you're you're just thinking about sex all the time, and there's very little chance you're going to get any. So it's probably like the ages 11 to 15 mm -hmm. or something. And strangely enough, that is also the time when you're least likely to be able to get anything except maybe get your hands on your dad's Playboy magazine mm -hmm. or something. And I would say that once Bill started having sex... When he was 16. Yes, <laughs> if that, you know, if it took him that long, um, that he never looked back. Mm -hmm. I don't think he ever... I don't think he ever needed him for his pleasure. Mm -hmm. Now, do you... Now, if a woman... That's the next part of the question. Do you think he ever used sex toys when he was with women? That's what I'm wondering. Because, I mean, we've talked about this from everything we know about Bill. Mm -hmm. He went down on Belly Dancer on first date. <laughs> first date. I love that. He loves pleasuring women. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of me says if a woman asked him, well, let's do this while I have this vibrating mm -hmm. thing on my clip while you're fucking me, he would say, well, you know, baby, if that's what makes you happy, let's go for it. And another part of me says, I think Bill would be crushed that he wasn't enough for her. That's exactly what I thought. I think that there would be so much pride involved for him that he should be enough mm -hmm. because for most women he was probably too much I mean you know because he is so confident and knows his his um, his way around his way around <laughs> and he has these superhuman sexual powers and because he loves women mm -hmm. he likes making women happy he loves giving them pleasure I mean really mm -hmm. if he ever really did take pleasure in his good looks, mm -hmm. I think it was because it probably got him more women and it made them happier. Yeah, I, that's what I think, that he just would want to, to do everything and felt like he could do whatever it took to get a woman off and make her happy. He could do it. Mm -hmm. He would do it. Like, whatever she asked him to do, he'd do it. Yeah. You know, I want you to do this. Okay. <laughs> and he'd do it well. Yeah. Even if he had never done it before. He would, Yeah. He would, he would figure He out. would do it the first time. If, if he was hooked up with a woman who really got off on having, like, her toes sucked or something, mm. he would do it, and he would be the best she ever had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like first time. It you just matter. curled my toes saying that. I have to tell you. I could now get into a sneaker, like, four sizes smaller because my toes have just done, like, an armadillo thing. They are so happy at the idea of Bill sucking them. That's Not that I'm into that. <laughs> but that's just, that's just what I think. 
that he would be really good at whatever it was. Just because he would he would be committed. He would jump into it with a hundred percent commitment and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Now, given that he's Bill, and Bill should be enough for any woman, and given that he has had women in bed saying, "Oh, so that's what it's like to be in bed with Captain Kirk," mm-hmm. even before the Captain Kirk thing, do you think Bill was or is into role playing? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Huh. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like being asked to, you know... To work. To work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of don't think so. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of think that if he was with a woman who really, really, really wanted him to do it, he would do it just to make her happy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he would initiate that. Yeah. I think, and maybe, I don't know why I have this idea, but I think in general women are more into role-playing than men. Mm. Do you do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, it's entirely possible. I know that there's a whole lot of um, geek guys who are really into role-playing. Uh, uh, yeah. But that's a small subset of the population. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Listeners, what do you uh, think yeah. about Bill and sexual role-playing and using appliances. Yeah. What would Bill do? What would Bill do? Now, on a separate topic, um, I could... What's wrong with the topic we're on? No, no, no. It's just related. <laughs> it's just we're moving okay, slightly. Okay, okay. I'm just teasing. Um, I think that, that Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. on the other hand, would take advantage of every technology available in his... Again, not that he has to. Not that he has to, but he would be really interested in sort of you know, finding out what's new and cool and out there and, mm-hmm. you know, better ways to um, initiate pleasure, especially with women who might not be, um, you know, earthlings. Mm-hmm. And he would be all for that. That is my impression. Yeah. Of now, remember a few shows ago when we had watched um, I, Mud, mm-hmm. and we were talking about that there were the androids and uh, was it now just completely accepted in the 23rd century that if there were androids, you know, mm-hmm. They would be sex androids. That that's, that that is what you would use them for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were saying, well, you know, he made love to various androids that we know of, mm-hmm. and nobody nobody blinked an eye. Blinked <laughs> an eye. Yeah. What kind of um, what kind of venereal disease could you get from an android? Or is that part of the appeal? That is probably part of the appeal. Yeah. I'm sure. And no strings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like when, um, years ago, if you remember this one, Hugh Grant got caught with a hooker mm-hmm. and was arrested for lewd behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at that time, and uh, and I said, Hugh Grant, I mean, he was so hot then. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was in that position if he could have had anybody. Mm-hmm. Why was he doing this? And my friend, you know, who had worked a lot more in the movie and TV end of business than I ever had, which is nothing, um, almost anybody has, and he said, I can tell you why. It's because you pay a hooker and she goes away. Mm-hmm. And if you're fucking, oh, yes, he could have any woman, but it would be a fan. Mm-hmm. And they won't go away afterwards. They want to talk. They want to be part of your life. Mm-hmm. And So, yeah, that would be part of the appeal of androids. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, how they ostensibly offered Uhura mm-hmm. an android body. And, uh, and she said, I want it. I want to be young and live forever. 
do you think she would have chosen to have, I would hope she would not have chosen to have a body other than a replica of her own. First of all, I think she is gorgeous mm -hmm. and beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, oh, I, I think she would have chosen to be exactly the way she was, aside from maybe, you know, fixing the little things that everybody wishes that they could fix. Right. Like, like maybe she wishes that her nails wouldn't break all the time or, you know. Just or she didn't have a hammer tower. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But no, I think she would have chosen to look exactly like she did. Mm -hmm. I, I would hope so. Cause yeah. she, and she looks so wonderful in that episode. Yeah, yeah. But you got to wonder if people could do that. Mm -hmm. I think most people would, would do more. Well, but we see people going so insane with plastic surgery, mm -hmm. given that option. I don't think most people would choose anything remotely like themselves. Mm -hmm. But you know what else? Given that this would be a reality, in our world, it's something you'd pay for. And to have a custom body mm -hmm. would cost a lot more than if you chose, if you bought one off the racks mm -hmm. and were, oh, yeah, I like the rosemary model. Mm -hmm. That's who I'll be. Can you give her red hair? Yeah, it'll cost extra between that yeah. red hair, you know. Well, I, it would depend. I mean, if, if the androids were doing it for free, mm -hmm. that's different. Yeah. Because then you could have anything you wanted to. Okay, another question about Bill and sex. And I know <laughs> well, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yeah, always, always yes. yes. Wouldn't you love to be able to ask him what some of these questions like that we're asking now? Totally. Other than a bed, what do you think is Bill's favorite place to have sex? Oh, boy. Well, we know he has sex on the floor because that's where he did it with the belly dancer. Right. Um, I'm sure he's done it in a swimming pool. I'm sure. I'm sure he's done it on couches. Mm-hmm. Cars. Sure cars. You know, the obvious places. Outdoors. I'm sure he's Desk. done it outdoors. Desks. Yeah. He's probably done it on planes. Oh, absolutely. Now, Planes, he, trains, automobiles, boats, donkey, horseback. Does, does Bill have a, a pilot's license? Is he licensed to fly? I kind of thought he was. Well, remember, he took lessons, yeah. and he soloed on his first time out oh, that's right, faster that's and right. better than anybody ever did, but I don't know. <laughs> if he had a license then, I don't know that he's kept it up. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, there's the Mile High Club. Yes. Now, the true definition of the Mile High Club is that it's not just having sex on an airplane. One of the people has to be flying the airplane at the I time that's I didn't yes. know that. That is the strict definition. Which makes it much more interesting. Oh, wow. Yes, does it. Yes. So I think that if Bill had a pilot's license, he probably did that. <laughs> or he could do it with a woman who has a pilot's license. Or, or that too. Yeah, that, that too. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Because really, anybody could have sex on an airplane. But yeah. to be flying the airplane, that's, that's different. That that's, puts it in a whole different class. They, yeah, that's quite a bit different. Yeah. Wow. So his favorite place aside from the bed? I don't know. Or maybe the place he has enjoyed it aside from a bed most. I would I would say maybe like I don't know, like I could see him really digging a shower, you know? Mm. I think he could do that. He would like that. I think Showers he would really really love a certain outdoor location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Camping. Well, yeah, I, it just seems to me that um in many ways he is just sort of a a back-to-nature type of person, and he seems to have a great deal of respect and enjoyment mm -hmm. of nature. Mm -hmm. And it's, and to him, it's certainly what could be more natural than, than making yeah. love. So, mm -hmm. Okay, new Bill questions. When Bill was, a, you know, a young guy, a mm -hmm. teenager, and just, you know, starting to discover all those interesting mm -hmm. things about himself and those strange new feelings, <laughs> who was his, like, movie star crush? Oh, boy. Let's or see, TV crush. What year are we talking about? Um, what was he born in? Thirty. 
So we're talking like late 40s, early 50s? Okay, let me let me think. Um, he was born, I think, in 33. Uh-huh. So, or, or around there. So we're, we're thinking like mid to late 40s. Okay. I would guess, if I had to guess, that he was probably really into um, movie stars who were... Uh, kind of more earthy. Like, I could see him being a big Sophia Loren fan. I was just Ava thinking Gardner, that. Ava Gardner. Or, like, even Rita Hayworth yes. was so yes. lush and voluptuous. Yes, exactly. That kind of, like, not a Grace Kelly. No. The uh, the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I would, that's what I would say. Oh, um, Jane Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think any of those ladies would be on Bill's pinup parade. I think so. <laughs> I wonder if he's ever answered that question in an interview. I'd love to know that. Really? Oh, that would be so great. <laughs> He'd probably make it up, though. Like, getting the truth out of him at this point about any of this stuff would just be a total crapshoot. Oh, yeah, he would, he would deny he was ever 14 years old, you know. <laughs> No, I sprung full grown from the head of Zeus. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> oh, but it's funny, you know, in, I was just thinking as we were talking about this, that in my mind, um, Captain Kirk, as opposed to William Shatner, is, is much more um, kind of sexually adventurous in that way mm-hmm. than, than Bill as a person is. Mm-hmm. That, that he'd be really kind of into, you know, technology and stuff like that and... I don't know why I think that. That's mm-hmm. just the way, like, I have that in my mind very clearly. Yeah. I know one of the things when I used to write fanfic, which I hardly ever do anymore, I hardly ever even work on things, but um, one of the, the aspects of Kirk's character that I think I kind of made up, I, I, I don't know <laughs> that we ever really saw this, but it was a fun thing to do, which was to have him have this awareness of he knows what his reputation is, and we certainly did see that mm-hmm. in the show. But um, every now and then I have him say something that reveals that in a lot of ways he's just a, a, a regular down-to-earth mm-hmm. guy because at one point um, he was telling Brant about his first time and he was quite young. He was like 13 and, and the girl was 14 mm-hmm. or 15, an older woman, and she's teasing him and everything. He said, it was all her idea. I was terrified mm-hmm. the entire time. And I really could see that being true. Mm-hmm. But from there it just you know went on. But I... I don't like the idea of we build the characters up in fanfic to destroy them, but I do like to bring them down a little off that pedestal. Mm-hmm. And he's a fun one to do it with because I think he has enough humor and self-awareness mm-hmm. to do that. I agree. Yeah. I, I think he can. And they, they've shown that in the episodes. I mean, he... As, okay? Yeah, <laughs> just too excited. <laughs> You're just sloshing that champagne. Oh, I know. Because, you know, as much as, as Kirk is the goddamn captain and everything. <laughs> he, he still, he knows his limitations and he knows that he, he isn't God and mm-hmm. that there are some things that he can't do. Yeah. And that he hasn't been perfect and that he hasn't ever, ever done everything right that he could have. Yeah. He has awareness, as yes. you say, about that. You know what um, I was thinking about, too? This is going back, I don't know, four or five shows when we were talking about um, the end of Mirror, Mirror, when he's saying... Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we could be friends, and Spock's looking at him like, you're not fooling me, you know. And it is wonderful how consistent they were with that, that they were, Spock and McCoy especially, aware of this. And I think of the moment in um, 
six when they're in the prison mm-hmm. and Marsha or whatever mm-hmm. her name is, is, you know, slithers in mm-hmm. and plops their escape and gives kiss the, gives mm-hmm. Kirk this big kiss and goes away. And McCoy, you, you know, you just see him. He rolls over and he's looking up at the, the sky like, oh my God. And then he says to Kirk, what is it with you? And I thought, that is so good. And it, it, it's so good that he has a friend like that who will bring his balloon down to earth totally. and that they wrote friends like that yep. for him. Yep. Absolutely. I, I think without that, without McCoy saying that, it just comes off as, oh God, we're propping up this old character by mm-hmm. having this woman come on to him. And then McCoy just totally undercuts the whole thing. Yep. It's great. It's really great. It really is. And I think it... Um, it makes it makes those characters more real, and therefore, if your characters are real, the situation automatically mm-hmm. becomes more believable. Because you look back and you go, you know, Kirk and McCoy were always teasing Spock, mm-hmm. and Kirk would tease McCoy, and they would they'd tease him, mm-hmm. and that's something we do with our friends. Of course, yeah, yeah. So, well, I totally agree with that. Um, I I was trying to think. I haven't read aside from yours. A whole lot of fan of het fan fiction with Kirk and other women. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how his his sexual relationships with women get treated in other fanfic. Do you? Um, in in my opinion, I think that his relationship with Brant and the sex that they have is great. It's it's just really realistic and it's true to his character and it's fun and it's mm-hmm. hot and all that kind of stuff and it's not you know. It's not weird and it's not extreme and it's not really weepy or anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's real. It's like like real sex that, that people mm-hmm. have. And I know that that. Oh. No, when I was in the earlier stories, it's some pretty whacked out strange <laughs> sex because I thought that was the reason to write. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, there are so many stories of of Kirk Spock fanfic where the sex is weird and extreme mm-hmm. or weepy, and it's like. People don't have sex like that in real yeah. life, and that's why, I mean, I understand that it's a fantasy thing, that you want to imagine it, but I am just wondering what other het fanfic with Kirk and other female characters is like. Well, you know, now, <laughs> now that I've pretty much gotten out of it, for some reason there is a lot more of it. Um, and I haven't read much, but I, I am involved with a group called TOS Het Fanfic, mm-hmm. and there are several people there who write um, Kirk and original female and uh, Kirk and Uhura stories. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, you know, I dip in and read some of it. And they're much, much different than what they were 10 years ago mm-hmm. when I was first getting into Trek. And um, where the women, if there was a story about Kirk and a female partner, she was either a Mary Sue or very much a token. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like one of these things we were just looking mm-hmm. at, something for for him to fuck. Um, but in the, in the days when... Like you and I were both involved with Askham and stuff, and I was reading just about any TOS mm-hmm. that came down. I found that the the stories about Kirk and females that I thought were the best were usually one-offs. Mm-hmm. You know that they're really. Um, I don't know that there were even that many people writing series, but really one of the best series was um, that Kissing Captain Kirk mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. that um, Lyra Star wrote. Yeah. That is that is still outstanding, and it's a series of drabbles and very short stories, but. It's, it's, um, each story is about a different person that Kirk has in his life kissed. Mm-hmm. And some are humorous, some are. It's amazing how she can pull off something really creepy in a hundred words or yeah. scary or touching. Mm-hmm. Really, really talented. But, um, yeah, there, it, 
I, you know, I don't know because I don't get out there in the fanfic world enough to know, have things balanced out a little more mm-hmm. as far as not even just Kirk, you know, but Het and Slash. Mm-hmm. And well, I do maybe not know. someone can tell us. Yes. Someone who is more in touch with Het fanfic mm-hmm. can tell us if there are some good Kirk female stories out well, there. Well, like, you know, Itty mm-hmm. writes a lot of Kirk Uhura. Mm-hmm. I've read some of that stuff. It's good. Um, there's um, Kirk. Emerson, who is another Starfleet officer, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting. I read one of those, and it was almost like somebody had written a story that I had been trying to write years ago, and it wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so somebody else wrote this same situation and made it into a very entertaining story. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm not sure, so yeah, I apologize for getting getting it wrong, but I think the Kirk Emerson stories are written by Trex Kitten. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong on that. So there is stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It's just... Um, I'm not. I'm not writing fanfic much at all. I have two stories I really, really would love to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, I, I still say I haven't totally quit. <laughs> but I'm really not out there reading it so much as uh, my my trek um, activity now is like this podcast and my involvement with members of the community who are my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so much the stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, just wondering. Yeah, just wondering. It was one of the reasons why um, I, I quit reading the KS stuff after a while, just because uh, the sex stuff in it was so unrealistic and so so far removed from what actual sex was like. Mm-hmm. Like, for a while, it was interesting, and it was fun and all that, but when that's all there is, and there's no realistic sex in it, you're like, oh, God, not again. Well, it's like... <laughs> It's like that having candy for dinner every night. It's exactly like that. It's exact. You are absolutely right. Because, you know, everybody has, I think, maybe not everybody, but many people have some unusual sex every now and then. And maybe once in your life you'll have this absolutely mind-blowing sex where it's not just the fabulous physical feeling, Mm -hmm. but you're having this incredible emotional Mm -hmm. connection and everything goes on. And if you're lucky, that happens once in your life. Mm -hmm. And it's that this happens... Every time the two of them bonk, whether it's in the same story or not, mm-hmm. if it's all always these same two characters, it doesn't matter that it's completely different people's takes mm-hmm. on it. It is candy for dinner every night. It really is. And it's the same reason why I totally cannot read first-time stories anymore, <sighs> because it's the same thing. It, it's like it's the same thing mm-hmm. over and over, and it's the same candy over yeah. and over. And I, I just got so tired of it and became really much more into continuing relationship stories, which is why I loved your stories mm-hmm. and why I really also loved reading Wildcats, Spock, and Nohura stories because that was a relationship. Yes. And every story, the relationship got bigger and more interesting. and You could really get into it. And you know what I wonder? Not enough to go read some and find <laughs> out. But how, is KS different now than it was like 10 years ago now that... Um, the gay rights movement, I feel, has just changed um, s- the role of gays, mm. if I can say that, and and people's view of it to the point where, even though it just got voted down, gay marriage just got voted down in California and a few other states, it really does have a look of inevitability mm. to the point where I could see it becoming completely irrelevant in the way that the fact that interracial marriages were illegal in so many states Mm -hmm. was irrelevant to the fact that people were getting married. Mm -hmm. They didn't care what that was. And, you know, they weren't getting their houses burned down for it. Yes, 
it was uncomfortable for them. But there is this feeling that eventually gay people are just going to be get ma getting married, and it doesn't matter if it's on the books or not. And finally, after we've had 50 years of gay people getting married and having families, somebody will get around going, shouldn't we get this stupid law off mm -hmm. the books? Mm -hmm. And so by the time we get to the 23rd century, one of the, the hugest obstacles, and that's what chaos is always about, is overcoming the obstacle, mm -hmm. is gone. And the two main obstacles has been, it's homosexual. Mm -hmm. But it's not really. There are straight men, men who fuck. And somebody actually said that in a movie I saw recently. They said, I'm, I'm a straight guy who likes to fuck men. I can't remember what it was. And the other big, big obstacle was Starfleet, yeah. which I think still makes sense. Mm -hmm, totally, you know, that yeah. a captain should not be fucking well, his officers or his crew. it was in the episodes. Yeah, right, so right. you can't ignore that. So, our, uh, you know, is, is that the only, the only obstacle those first-time stories have now? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't read any. Well, I can't. I just, it's yeah. like I kind of made it a rule. It's like my thing about not watching romantic comedy. But <laughs> I, I just... You know, I don't know. Um, what I think is, is even more interesting, boy, this has really turned into a, a far-flung sexuality well, it's, discussion. it's all the champagne. Um, is that I, I think some stories that I've read, um, some Trek stories that I've read, have um, what seems to me where we are going as a humanity, perhaps in the 23rd century, which is that the idea that you're either um, gay or straight is stupid. That there's a continuum, and everybody's along the continuum, and there are very few people who are actually at the ends of the, the Kinsey spectrum. And, and they're so finding that's true. Yeah, that most people are somewhere, like, they lean either way, mm -hmm. and that you might have a strong preference in one direction, but that doesn't rule out the fact that you might have some sexual experiences in the other direction, mm -hmm. or maybe even fall in love with someone, and still mostly be attracted to the other kind, whatever mm -hmm. that is, whether it's at the, the gay or straight Thing, and that by the 23rd century, everybody will be okay with that. Mm -hmm. So there won't be an expectation that just because you're a woman, you're going to have relationships with men or vice versa, that you just will have relationships. Although Star Trek definitely played it that way, mm -hmm. that you know, men were attracted to women, women were yeah. attracted to men, and, and vice versa. Yeah, but that's because it was a show produced in the this 20th century. Right. So the ideal of the 23rd century is that we have gotten beyond that, and there is no expectation you just do what it is that you want to do mm -hmm. that you feel is good and I have read stories like that where mm -hmm. as you were saying it's not even an issue yeah who you choose to have a relationship with and everybody is just like oh you know that guy or that girl or whatever oh mm -hmm. that's okay yeah you know and if they have objections to the relationship it's for other reasons like um don't you think they're too far away, or you yeah. know, it, like some other thing? Mm -hmm. Or well, it, it's like for for us to conceive of marriage being this idea of you marry whoever your father picked for you, mm -hmm. and you were basically chattel to be exchanged yeah. for three goats. We, you know, we can't conceive of that, mm -hmm. and you know, it just. <laughs> but back then, that's how it was was sure. done, and the idea of women picking their own mates. Is what? Are mm -hmm. you kidding? And yeah, I think in a few hundred years that they'll, that, you know, they'll study our time period and see that we are fighting, are battling murkily through mm -hmm. these issues mm -hmm. of, you know, what's a relationship and who can be in a relationship with who, and and they are just kind of going. You mean there really, really was a time <laughs> when you couldn't marry someone who wasn't the same religion as you were, mm -hmm. and and that's one that astounds us. Yeah, you know, because. 
if that qualifies as a mixed marriage, I'm not sure I know of an unmixed marriage at this point mm -hmm. among, you know, my circle. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's So I think that that's one of the great things about science fiction, being speculative fiction, mm -hmm. is to say, where are we going to be in 300 years mm -hmm. on things like sexuality or race or religion, is to try to imagine what it's going to be. And I've read lots of really good science fiction about that, you know, what will sexuality be like in two or three hundred mm -hmm. years or when we finally do meet people, people, beings from right. other places. Um, that book by Ursula Le Guin is called The Left Hand of Darkness. Mm -hmm. It's such a good book and it, it explores that in some detail. Um, one of the other books that I've, I read and I've been reading again recently is a book by Joanna Russ that's called The Female Man. And it wow. was written in 1976, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about... Um, it's, it's very hard to explain. It's very much a free-form kind of book, but it takes the premise that um, these four women come from four different alternate universes and how each universe shaped the same woman. Oh, that's great. It's really, really good. And the universes are all really different. So one of them is our own, like mm -hmm. today, and another one is a world in which the Depression never ended. There was never World War II, mm -hmm. which is much more repressive than our own. Um, another one is a kind of future dystopia where things have gotten horribly screwed up because mm -hmm. of all the chemicals and people aren't really gendered in the way we mm -hmm. think. And then another one is a future where there's no men. So it's only been women for hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of mm -hmm. years. And all four of them kind of get unstuck in time and come together. And wow. It's really, really good. And of course, like all fiction, she was using that premise to, to show how, you know, misogynism and sexism in 1976 mm -hmm. was like this horrible, insidious thing. And it's, it's really, really good. So, hooray for science fiction for being able to address this. Well, things. and to me, that's like some of the best science fiction is the stuff that the people who are hard sci-fi kind of scoff at. But the, the stuff that I like is the stuff that transcends that genre of the science really isn't that important, mm -hmm. except as it impacts the characters mm -hmm. and the characters, the impact, you know, that they have, or what they are, because of the science around them, mm -hmm. and yeah, to me, to to speculate on, you know, what's going to be the next improvement to the iPod is, <laughs> you know, kind of fun. But I'm not going to sit down and read a 400-page book about mm -hmm. it. But to speculate on what does our ability to instantly get any piece of information now do to us as people? Mm -hmm. That, to me, is an interesting topic. Mm -hmm. I think that the... And um, where are the flying cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. where the hell are the flying cars? That's I what know, I want to know. Um, now you totally made me lose my train. I'm sorry. <laughs> the flying cars totally distracted me. Oh, no, that <laughs> was it. Over no, when, when you were saying, you know, the, these things sort of, uh, how they have impacts, and I think that was, again, the genius of Star Trek was to take all of the technology... And it didn't matter how it worked. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter that the transporter could never really work or that the warp drives could never work and you could never go fast flying. It doesn't matter. All that stuff was there to propel the story about how the characters, how human beings were going to be when they were out there in the galaxy encountering other people. Yes. and That's, that's the whole thing. That's, that's the, the whole thing is when we, as we are, because they were very much reflections mm -hmm. of who we were in the 60s, although there was some optimism about it, they were still very human, recognizable mm -hmm. characters. What happens when they get out of this known sphere mm -hmm. and they, with their ideas and beliefs, have to confront something entirely different? Mm -hmm. In that way, I think TOS kind of copped out. 
on the idea of a, a moral system and a belief system, where Kirk's idea was always, you know, screw the prime directive, I am knocking down their false god, you yeah. know, or, or whatever. He solved it with a flying leg kick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think it, it's interesting, you know, I, I think you're right. I think TOS did cop out too often mm -hmm. and assumed that whatever the current morality was in the United States was what was going to be. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways TNG did a better job of that because it was much more thoughtful mm -hmm. um, and much more willing to explore other options that were not always right. Mm -hmm. You know, there were many times when we were shown to be completely wrong about something and that was good, although there were too many episodes where it was still sort of bound by what we think is right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm still annoyed about that episode. I mean, it still makes me angry Which when I think about that? it. Which one is that? It was the one where it was the same-sex marriage episode oh. where they go to the planet and, and Riker falls in love with this person mm -hmm. from it. And, of course, they had to have that person, even though they were supposed to be genderless, being played by a woman because it would mm -hmm. have been too controversial to be played by a man. It's like, just punch them right in the face for that Well, one. I think the, really, to me, the stupidest thing they ever did in the, in the idea of we're not always right because I think this was the stupidest idea to ever put in Star Trek, stupider than the hippies, was this idea that using the warp drive was tearing space apart. You just killed one of your major story props. Okay, we're not going to use it anymore unless we really, really, really have to. It's like, um, we love we love what you have written, Mr. Melville. It's great, but, you know, whales are in danger. <laughs> yeah. So you, you need to tell this story without actually hunting for and hurting any ways. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Um, the, the thing I was just, I'm, I'm thinking now about the, the subsequent episodes, the thing that I liked about Deep Space Nine was that um, it was really not about being right and wrong, mm -hmm. but about how to best manage the situation so people didn't kill each other. Yes. And that often involved lying and deception <laughs> and, and, you know, the underside. And mm -hmm. the, the Federation was shown to be just as sneaky and underhanded as the Romulans and everybody else that they ever ran into and mm -hmm. the people from the Delta Quadrant and all those, those folks. It was just, you know, that was really cool. I really liked that, that mm -hmm. it, it put... It stopped the Federation from being the, uh, there were, we're always right guys. Mm -hmm. And I like that very much. I think the premise of Voyager was really to, to show how um, we as humans would fare in this extreme isolation mm -hmm. when they didn't have any backup. Right. Right? You know, so you're out there, you're on your own. How are you supposed to function when you don't have the rest of the Federation coming to save your butt if things get really bad? Mm -hmm. and, and can you stick to the rules And then? can you stick to the rules? And, and I don't know how well they succeeded in that premise. Because well, I didn't watch enough of it towards the end. I watched almost none of it, so I really can't talk about that. But in a way, it's kind of like um, what you hear some people, you know, who, who believe very strongly in religion, that that... that provides the moral foundation of our society. And, of course, the offensive part of that to me is saying, okay, if you don't believe in God, you're incapable of making a moral decision. And that's basically what Voyager was or should have been. Once you are away from whatever body enforces mm -hmm. the decision to do the quote-unquote right thing, what do you do on your own? Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they probably did not did not dwell with that very well because it seems to me from the little bit I saw and from what people said um, the, the two groups the Maquis mm -hmm. and the and the Starfleet groups 
uh, melded very, very they did, quickly. Yeah, yeah, and they totally took out that whole conflict, and then it just right. became them versus the Borg in a lot of cases. Right, because yeah. they didn't want it to be about internal factions within the crew. Yeah, which is a very interesting, interesting story, and that's one of the stories they are telling on Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. Is they have a really uh, naughty and hard-fought politics mm -hmm. that, and some of them are religious-based, and some of them are, you know, more. Political, and then there's the historical grievances the various groups have, yeah. and that's very much part of the story. They don't gloss that over. There's none of this, which is realistic. There is nothing like, well, just put that all aside. We're all stuck here together, and this is the only way we're going to survive. No, it doesn't happen. We don't all just come out shiny and clean. Exactly, because that is never the way human beings are. Mm -hmm. Because we're selfish and greedy, and yeah, you know, like that. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> and and enterprise, you know. I think we talked about this once before, but the premise of Enterprise was to show how everything got started. But it's essentially the same thing as TOS. I mean, it's not a different situation because it's showing how humankind is when they leave Earth and go out there. And we've done that already. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the hook was supposed to be. Like, what are, what are we examining about humanity in a way that we haven't looked at already? Right. Well, and it's also... If you're telling a story that people know the end to, mm -hmm. you have to be a damn good storyteller. Mm -hmm. So it's like we all know man made it to the moon. But there have been really good movies, TV things, books written about mm -hmm. what went on, what contributed to that. And some of those, you know, you're just... Biting your nails, even though you know what's going to happen. Sure, Apollo and, 13. Yeah, right, yeah. right. That, that is such a scary yeah. movie and very real, and it was real. It yeah, happened, yeah. you know. Um, you had to be just a lot better at the whole thing mm -hmm. than the Enterprise people were because we know what happens. Yeah. I think that the first, con first Contact? Yeah, the First Contact movie actually mm -hmm. did a really good job of that. Mm -hmm. So it gave you a story where you knew how it was going to end. It was very clear how it was going to end because we already knew that mm -hmm. this was going to happen. And that whole crap about changing the time stream and all that, like you knew that wasn't going right, to happen. Right. So it became just how they were going to get there. And the fact that they introduced the Borg into it just as a little surprise element was really good. And the twist of the Vulcans. And the twist of the Vulcans at the end was so good. I mean, they mm -hmm. did such a good job in building up to that and really did tell a story that incorporated so much of canon because they did show earth at the time that we mm -hmm. had always heard about like in this period where you know you knew that they were people were going to get off the planet but there was a lot of disorganization because of the genetics wars and all the things that had happened and i think they did a, a very good job of sticking with all that and showing how the people on earth were reacting to this change that everybody knew was going to come mm -hmm. and that was really really good yeah so i, I really like that movie Mm -hmm. I think for me it's the best of the team. We should movies. watch that together sometime because I've only to. seen it the one time. Oh, I know something I wanted to tell you. Getting way, way, way back to the beginning of the show, Wrath of Khan. I wanted to tell you about the first time I saw it. Oh, yeah? Um, I was living in New York at the time, and I think I've told you before, I did not go to see TMP because mm -hmm. it got such bad reviews. I thought, oh, they ruined Star Trek. And, and I would rather remember it the way it was. <laughs> but then this got really good reviews, mm -hmm. and a friend of mine who really was not a Trekkie, but he had gone and said, you know what's good? It's really a good movie. And I thought, okay, I'll go. It had probably been running. Remember, movies used to run longer. Yeah, yeah, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Weeks, weeks, <laughs> yeah. So it was probably, um, it had been around two months or something, so there was no problem getting a seat, I thought. So I went to the movie theater, and I bought my ticket, and I got in there, and it was jam-packed. Wow. 
And I got, like, the only seat that I could find, the only seat that I could, was left, was, like, broken. Oh. And so I'm sort of trying to balance myself all through the movie oh, <laughs> on this broken seat. And I still stayed because I loved it wow. so much. But I always remember that, that during Spock's death scene, which is so beautifully played, and the whole theater's going, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, trying not to make noise. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to make noise, and I'm trying to keep my balance because of this awful broken seat. But anyway, wow. I had to bring that up. That's great. Well, <laughs> no, you never told me about the broken seat, mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing that. Yes. I know I saw it in the theater, but I have no memory of it other than being like, wow, that was a good movie. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, I really, really liked I know, it. I wonder if I saw it more than once. I might have seen it more than once. That is what, um, like, reawakened my, my trekkiness, mm-hmm. was that movie. And then after that, I was working uh, in a small company, and I got to be such close friends with my one co-worker that when Star Trek Three came out, uh, <laughs> we went and asked the boss, could we take the afternoon off to go to the Star Trek movie? And he went, yeah. And so, you know, we went, we stood in line, we couldn't get tickets, of course, for the first showing, so we bought tickets for like the second or third and just stood in line. And then when four came out, we were going to do the same thing, and luckily her husband wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So we kept taking turns where two people stayed in line and one mm-hmm. person went off and got something to eat. Mm-hmm. Well, the closest thing was a bar. And by the time we got into four, we were pretty darn happy. <laughs> It's a good movie to see drunk, uh-huh. I would say. You know, mm-hmm. out of all the movies that you could see drunk, that yeah. would be a good one. I think if you saw five drunk, you'd be throwing stuff at the screen and going, yes. what is this crap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be hard. <laughs> but I remember that. That was like our tradition until I moved to California that we always saw the Star Trek movie together. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really good. Well, we've been talking for an awfully long time now. I think Which we means we don't have to do show 101. We don't. That's we it. can skip. We're going to skip right to 150, I think, at this point. Oh, okay. Point. So I think we should go rejoin the party so yes. that they don't finish the canapes because I want some. Oh, yeah. They're worse than the, out there. the cake's coming And up. the cake is going to be coming cake. out soon. Um, so let's sign off on show 100. Yay. Yay, yes. Um, here's to the next 100. Yes. There will be the next 100. There will. And remember, folks, the live show is coming up. Yeah, in January. Start making your plans. So we'll be posting more information as we have it, but that will definitely And we're going to have a special show for Christmas. We decided that. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so look for, for a special Christmas show. Okay. Okay, back to the party. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.